Professor Bryn Brown's research shows that vulnerability fosters good emotional and mental health. It is a sign of courage. We become more resilient and brave when we embrace who we truly are and what we are feeling. The Vulnerable Scientist Podcast is a space for scientists to tell their honest and authentic stories. I am your host, Saranya Kerry, who happens to be a scientist, informal science communicator, and I help scientists create personal websites. If you want to support this show, go to www.patreon.com slash the vulnerable scientist. You can also follow this podcast on all social media platforms at TV Scientist Pod. Hi everyone, welcome to the Vulnerable Scientist Podcast. This is your host, Saranya Kerry, and you are in a space where we invite scientists who are willing to be vulnerable, talk about their journeys, their highs and lows, and today we have Bernice Waweru, who will introduce herself further. Bernice, hi. Hi, Sarah, how are you? Great to be here. Okay. But anyway, uh, people ask, how are you? Um... Maybe I could ask you, how are you really? (laughs) Not how are you, just for the sake of it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good, yeah, that's true, actually. Um, I, I am okay, actually. I'm great. I have to say, um, I, I'm at at a point in my life where I feel that I'm moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Um, my family is good and, um, um, career-wise, I think I'm also in a right, in a good place. Uh, myself individually, I'm happy, and yes, I'm I'm okay. I think yes, not I think I am sure. <laughs> I'm good. Thanks for sharing that. Okay, yeah. so introduce yourself to someone who doesn't know you. Absolutely. So um, my name's uh, Banis Ngina Waweru in full. I I. I'm currently working as a bioinformatics research officer at the Becker Eel Rehab, uh, better known as the Biosciences for East and Central Africa, um, at the Becker Eel Rehab in Nairobi. Um, that's where I'm situated. Um, yeah, so I'm a mother. I am a wife. Um, I'm a sister, firstborn in my family. So I have two kids. One is 12, um, a boy. He'll be 13 very soon. I'm going to have a teenager. Um, I have a daughter who's five years old. Uh, she's getting into year one in September. And I'm also a wife. Uh, my husband's name is Hezron Gugi. Um, we've been married for... Um, okay, no, we've been together for <laughs> close to 12 years. We got married officially in 2015, uh, May. That's when we did our white wedding um yes so that's me and i love um outside of my work and my family i enjoy hiking quite a bit um i am a fitness and nutrition enthusiast so that's something i really do for myself for my well-being and for my um uh, you know just to make sure that i have a space where i'm me and i get to think and you know, just be free and let go and let stress out and yeah, come back rejuvenated. Yes, that's me. <laughs> Sorry, I'll have to go back. How did you start hiking? How did I start hiking? That's a good question. So, um, um, let's say, uh, during COVID actually, um, 
I got employed at at Becca March of 2020, just when COVID was beginning. And I only went to work for two weeks. Wow. I was at the office for two weeks before we were told to go home because March 19th is when they announced that we have to work from home, compulsory for everybody. And yes, I, I came back home in Akuru. And um, yes, it was a lot. It was it was a lot going on. My kids were both doing online classes. Um, I was working from home. Of course, my husband is a business person, so he was also at home a lot. And um, I, I really needed to get something just to 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 do for me, just to let go of all the pressure, because it was a lot. I'm at home doing online online teaching with my kids, both of them. Uh, I have to sit there with my daughter from 8 to 12 every day, and then from 2 o'clock up to around 9 o'clock, I'm working, um, all that. So I just needed to get something to do for myself. And I started seriously doing um, fitness and nutrition at that time, actually. Um, we got, myself and a friend of mine got a um, personal coach. So he used to come to our neighborhood. We have a nice area outside and we he would take us through um uh body conditioning you know we started at the very beginning you know just doing rope jump rope and doing some easy to do ex- body weight exercises and we graduated on to started doing weights so I thought, okay, um, I, I'm really enjoying this. I need to, to, to also get somewhere to expand this energy I'm also getting from fitness. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I started hiking. And uh, my coach um, and a few of his other coach friends actually organized our first hike for some of the people they were coaching personally. Um, so including, um, so there's also another guy called Wilson Monene who we actually happened to go to campus with. He's also a personal coach around Nakuru. So they organized a hike to Menengai just the one here in Akuru. Um, it's called Menengai Crater. And we went and it was it was so much fun. And I fell in love with hiking from then. Um, it was it was cool. We hiked to the top and we actually hiked down to the crater and then back up. Oh, eight hours of up and down. It was fun for me because I was fit. Uh, but I also got to see the other side of it because we also had a few of our friends who are not very well prepared. Um but it really challenges you, you know, and you get to push yourself because you can't remain behind. You literally can't remain behind. You're in the yeah. middle of a thicket. If you go forward, you can't go back. You have no choice. <laughs> so your mental fortitude, you have no choice. You have to go forward. You can't remain behind. No one can carry you, you know. Um, at that particular point, it's, it's you and your thoughts and your strength. You have to push yourself and it's, it's, it's fun. And I, I try to do that every other month when I can and yes so that's how I ended up hiking and I'm hoping I can do Mount Kenya before the end of the year that's yeah. my goal for this year yeah okay great mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so let's go back to science we'll go back to hiking I'd love to hear more about that but uh, let's sure. go to science uh you mentioned you're a bioinformatician at Baker Ilri so um yes. I'd like to know how did you get there explain to us the journey before that yeah wow um i i have to say i didn't even start i never ever thought i would end up as a bioinformatician to be honest uh Did but you i'm know loving what it what bioinformatician is you know before that i didn't know my god i went to campus and i didn't even know there's something as bioinformatics that existed no so 
But for me, how did it start? So for me, science started early. My dad is um, a forester, so he works with the Kenya Forest Service. He's been always been in love with books. He has two master's degrees. He has like three diplomas. Wow. And he's, it's, it's all been around um, environmental science um, and forestry. So for me, science started really early. Um, I, I enjoyed even watching TV shows to date. I still, I still watch series that are all around science, doctors and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed science from my young age. So when I went to high school... I still enjoyed sciences. I literally performed better in the sciences than all the other subjects. I failed in Swahili, literally. But I did very well in chemistry (laughs) and biology and a bit of physics, but I decided to drop physics first. The first term of Form 4 is actually when I dropped physics uh, because I enjoyed um, chemistry and biology a lot more, and I was also doing home science because I love food. Um, Yes, so I... That's when it's, yes, I am, I'm a foodie, trust me. But uh, yeah, Uh, so it started early for me. So even when I was going to go to campus, I knew I wanted to go and do something that's involved in science. And I was actually very passionate about aquatic science at the time. You know, I really wanted to work around fish. I think I'd watched too many movies with dolphins and stuff, and I thought it was fun. Um, And so going to campus, I actually applied for aquatic science and biomedical sciences and I think biochemistry. And I was called for biomedical sciences because I, I think I had like an, a very good grade in biology. So I went into biomedical sciences and technology at Edgerton University. Um, and that was, that was um, four years of a lot, a lot of self-discovery, I have to say. Um, I found that I really enjoyed the biology courses, but the chemistry courses, my God. I enjoyed chemistry in, in high school for sure, but in campus, wow, that was a whole other story. Yeah, but, but chemistry was not my thing. But anatomy was awesome. Environmental science was awesome. Um, molecular biology, I have to say, was my highlight. In third year, when we started doing molecular biology, I felt like, oh, wow, I think now I'm enjoying campus molecular biology, biotechnology, and we actually had a lecturer who taught us about new topics in biotechnology, I think was the unit. And that's when I got to learn about bioinformatics, but very much on the outside, you know, like very much on the theory. What is bioinformatics? Bioinformatics is combining analysis um, to biological data, analyzing it using computing systems. That's bioinformatics. So that's all I knew, you know. And I was introduced to very simple molecular markers at the time at Edgerton. That's what they had the capacity to do at their lab. Um, that is um, simple sequence repeats. So that's what we used, actually. Um, we were introduced to bioinformatics as, a, as one of the emerging topics, you know, in biotechnology and molecular biology. So I only knew about it very, very, very theoretically, Um and I actually didn't pay much attention to it because um, in my undergraduate, I enjoyed molecular biology and biotechnology quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I actually ended up doing um, the industrial attachment that we do in our third year in the Kenyan system, mm-hmm. um, university system. So I went to Calro, Calro Njoro. So Calro, at the time, it was still called CARI, Kenya Agricultural Research Institute. Mm-hmm. Um, in Joro. So there was actually a master's student at that time called John Dungu who was doing his 
master's work in one of the Egerton labs. And I, I approached him and I told him, do you think I could get an internship at Calro? Because I know they have a molecular lab and all, and I think it would be a great place for me to get more experience in terms of um, molecular biology, biotechnology, and actually how it's applied you know, so he said, yeah, of course, um, come to Curry. So at the time it was Curry, come to Curry, bring your letter and um, we can take it up to the management. And I was I was actually called back um, like two weeks later and I was offered uh, the internship at Calro. So I was working under Dr. Laura Karanja, a virologist and um, root tubers um, breeder. So she was working on cassava she was working on um, sweet potato. She was a very good sweet potato breeder and banana at the time, um, plantain. So I got, to, I got to go to her lab in my third year and work with her, um, you know, actually getting practical um, experience on how to use molecular tools. So using a lot of... Um, RT-PCR to study viruses. So she was studying a lot of viruses of sweet potato um, and also how to use the same molecular tools to um, to screen uh, tissue culture stocks that were being used to produce virus-free uh, tissue culture plantlets for farmers. So that was, it was really cool. It was really fun that I could get to see how this is actually applied in real life, you know, yeah. in industry. And that was that was quite nice, and I really enjoyed it. So what I did is I spoke to her, and we came up with a small project that I was able to do for my fourth-year uh, project that we usually do in a science course. And I was able to um, use or develop a project where we were using or evaluating the efficiency of polymerase chain reaction to detect uh, cucumoviruses. So cucumoviruses uh, Q are viruses that affect sweet potato and a little bit of cassava. So, but my work was mainly to detect, to to evaluate how well PCR was able to detect cucumoviruses from sweet potato breeding lines. So, elite breeding lines and tissue culture stocks, and it was it was quite good, and I really enjoyed it. And after that, I was really hooked into into molecular biology and biotechnology for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, so what I did after that was to go back. Um, actually, so once I finished my fourth year, mm-hmm. I stayed home, I think, for just two months. And I went back to her. I talked to Dr. Laura and I asked her, do you think I can work as a volunteer in your lab? I mean, um, I just finished my uh, my coursework for my undergrad and I'm just at home. And I think it would be a great opportunity for me. Mm-hmm. And that's literally how I started my career in science. And from there, I mean... That's how I started working in the in the in the industry for for molecular biology and biotechnology. Um, so I went back as a volunteer uh, to work with Dr. Laura Karanja and the molecular biology lab at Calro Joro. Um, so now it's actually called Calro, so Kenya Agricultural Livestock Research Organization um, in Joro. So I still went back to the Joro lab. I worked with her quite a bit, and she had a technician called Maura carrier who literally taught me everything I know about molecular biology practically uh, in terms of uh, DNA extractions, optimizing polymerase chain reactions and RT-PCR reactions. And uh, we also used to use um, a circular DNA amplification method at the time called Templify 
for banana viruses, which was quite fun. It was a long process, but it was quite fun. Wow, I um, that, actually. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't used much, but it was mm. quite fun. Well, it existed. Mm. Uh, and then um, doing a lot of the sample collection from the field, from the viruses, extracting and isolating viruses, and, you know, doing running all the gels, and actually how to run a molecular biology lab, you know, all this, all the, all the crazy stuff in terms of procurements, and this was this was a government institute, so procurements are so tedious and so long. Um, but yeah, I have to, I have to commend him because he taught me so much. Um, and then while I was there, I, I was exposed to other crops. You know, um, at the time, Njoro was also very famous; it still is up to now as the international stem rust wheat phenotyping field. So. Um, around 1999, I would say there's this uh, fungus called stem rust of wheat um, that emerged, and then it, it became quite a pandemic, not just in Kenya, uh, but the rest of Africa and even the globe. And up to now, it's still a threat. So hmm. Joro, because Kenya was such a hotspot, and Joro was the wheat breeding station for Kenya, like literally the only one under the government institute, um, became the international phenotyping field for stem rust so at the time there was a lot a lot that was going on so i used to see like every year in october i would see lots of um lots of foreigners you know lots of uh, scientists coming in from mexico from australia from canada and i was always, i was always wondering who are these guys and what are they here to do you know so the first time they came i was very impressed i'm like wow they came there very organized. They had a two-week conference. They go to the field. They take notes, take pictures, learn so much. And after they went, I approached the leader or the program head for the wheat predict section. And I told them, I'm interested. Uh, can I also volunteer, just like I'm volunteering in the molecular biology lab, to learn? And he said, yeah, of course. Um, you, can, you can always uh, work together with the breeders when they're going to the field and um, learn with them. So that's that's how I actually got into working with wheat. And it worked out quite well, actually. Um, so I I was able to learn quite a bit about wheat breeding, wheat pathology, um, taking notes in the field with the scientists. So the next year they came, I was actually part of the people who were trained. So the following year I was in their workshop. So they used to, so what I learned is that every time they came, there was a different group of people who came from all over the world to be trained about stem rust and, and yellow rust phenotyping and all about wheat breeding and the CIMIT. Um, so CIMIT is the International Center for Maize and Wheat Improvement. And so in, in, in Joro, they concentrated mainly on wheat and, and how their breeding, breeding works. So I was actually a trainee and I got trained and I learned. And I was really interested because they also talked a, a lot about how they are including molecular biology techniques to do uh, breeding in terms of using molecular biology um, markers to be able to track the genes of stem rust and, and leaf rust and yellow rust in their populations. And that was, that was quite interesting because it's something at least I was exposed to. And um, after that, I was like, okay, I need to be able to go to the next level um, and for me to be able to go to the next level and at least take advantage of these opportunities because they used to come and they're like, um, yeah, we have studentships, we have projects that students could do. And I'm like, how then do I take advantage of this? Mm -hmm. And that was when I decided to do my master's.